Hello, and welcome to the Friday Reporter Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Camuso-Miller. I'm a public affairs professional in Washington, D.C., and I interview members of the media about their background, about how they got into journalism, and lots of other topics. The Friday Reporter is a PR Daily podcast. Check out PR Daily for ideas, inspiration, and trends on all things public affairs and to find the Friday Reporter podcast. Hello, and thanks so much for joining me for another episode of the Friday Reporter podcast. Today's guest is my good friend, Tim Herms, who is the president of Rev Rocket. And this conversation is going to help us dive in a little deeper behind the scenes and get a better sense of business to business media, media creation, and really just overall uh, media entrepreneurial activities in out in the world. So Tim, thanks for being with me. I'm flattered you asked me to be with you, Lisa. So Tim, we've been friends a long time and we've been friends, you know, like f- we talk about all kinds of different things, but I am curious today for you to tell me a little bit before we get into the 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 meat of what it is you've done, built, sold and uh and really sort of uh revolutionized. Tell me a little bit about how you got into the publishing business. What's what's your background? What'd you go to school for? Um I'm one of the lucky few that actually got a job in my major. <laughs> I went to uh I graduated from James Madison University here in Virginia uh and was a, a major in communications. And um, after a quick stint in another in another world, I landed at a uh, publishing company up in uh, Rockville, Maryland, uh, uh, north of here, where we are in Arlington. Mm-hmm. And, uh, started down that road. I actually started in uh, client services, ask, uh, answering questions about uh, subscriptions. So um, it's kind of been in my blood for years and years. Um, I've always been an avid reader and news junkie. Um, my path took me towards uh, towards the media revenue side as opposed to the journalism side. But obviously, you know, it, it takes it takes uh, takes the whole village to make a successful brand. So um, uh, it's been a fun ride. And then, uh, you know, after that, I started down a, a career uh, in the media business, and then. Um, started doing my own thing back in 2004. So, and, and that's just, it has changed so much the industry, right? Since the time we all got started, it is a completely different world. And even from five years ago, really, I mean, so much of the industry just continues to evolve and change. And, and really on the business side uh, is where a lot of that change has happened there's just so much, especially in Washington, you know, you think about over the course of the last uh, 10 or 15 years, there's just like this entrepreneurial spirit, right? That, like inside of media, even where people are trying to build and they're trying to grow and they're trying to innovate in this space, uh, not only carve out their own uh, niche media, they're also trying to figure out ways to to build and grow and ultimately sell. Talk to me for a minute about um what it is you've done in this space because uh, sure. I, I want to get to there, but you've done so many cool and different things here in this space. Talk to me a little bit about that, if you will. Well, first, well, first I have to say you were just talking about new launches and niche stuff in the DC area. I think you're kind of a shining example of that, Lisa, right? 
my podcast? Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for the compliment. I mean, I like to think so. I like to think it's yeah. a nice way to start people thinking off about uh, about media. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, it's a it's exactly. and as I've told many before, it is a ragtag operation as we no, talk over the cell phone <laughs> in our soundboard <laughs> situation. Um, no, I already forgot your question. <laughs> no, but okay. So so let's get back to that though, because you have been so helpful to me as I think about the podcast. I mean. So today I, I have a partnership with PR Daily who helps me promote and, and make the podcast more visible. And it's through right. a connection that you had with, with, our, with our good friend up there that we started to have a conversation about how to make the podcast more visible. But Tim, it's because you've done this over and over again, right? You have this great, thoughtful vision about how... Um, you know, and I, I'll crib from something that you shared with me before. You've talked in the past about how content, audience, delivery, engagement, revenue, and results are all part of that wheel for success for right. media, right? Yes, this, I like to call it the spokes on the wheel, right? So tell me a little bit about what it is you've done in this space. Uh, well, um, I was, you know, I, I've been blessed. I've been blessed uh, with time with some really good timing, and it is nothing. It's really, it it, it literally was industry changes. Winds of change have blown um, often at my back, and it has just been literally timing and good luck. Um, but what I have felt is that over, especially over the past fifteen years, is that is that we are approaching a customer of one. Right mm-hmm. or a, or a or an engaged person or an engaged audience of one, um, and everything is niching out. I remember when I was a kid, I used to love to get Sports Illustrated mm-hmm. um, every Thursday in the mail, and I would sit it sit. And I would read from cover to cover, and I would keep it, and I would read it all over again. And Sports Illustrated was a fabulous magazine. Um, their photography was incredible. <laughs> the font was big enough for me to read, which is not the case anymore. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, you know, but it covered the big four, right? Mostly it covered football, basketball, baseball, and hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you were to say, and, and Sports Illustrated still exists, um, but if you were to look at a Sports Illustrated, it's actually niched itself out. That is kind of the umbrella brand, but there's a pull down for hockey. There's a pull down for football. There's a pull down for college sports. There's a pull down for the Olympics. And then inside that, it's like, um, you know, the, one of the dolls where you, you know, you, you pull out a, you know, you open it up and you pull out another, um, and, uh, you can't, you keep peeling away the onion until you get to that really, that tiny, tiny. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Something you really, really, really want down to that specific, specific, right. Yeah, specific, specific. And the thing is that, you know, that specific, specific audience can be on the consumer side or they can be in the B2B industry trade side. Mm-hmm. And what's happening here in the D.C. area, obviously, is, you know, you have your Huffington Post and you have your Politico and the Hill and, you know, you have all these things. But, you know, these are going to start spinning out sub-niche brands, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then those sub niche brands are gonna are gonna spit out even more. I mean, I think if you I think if you really wanted to truly describe micro niching is Reddit, right? You can find the feed for everything. For on Reddit, yes, yeah. On Reddit, yeah. 
So, you know, that's the way that that's the way that I've looked at it in my career. It's find the find the niches that have a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. Make sure the timing is right, and then try to serve that and try to serve that niche. Now, um, as a, as I had said uh, in our prep call, um, my world is was small, mm-hmm. um, and um, I didn't have a big orbit. And um, my specialization has been on the trade media side, uh, not in like the public media side. So I, you know, I, that's the only that's what I can that's what I can address accurately. Sure. Uh, so just to put some parentheses around that. Yeah, and, and well, in this town, trade media is, it's, it's fl- they are flush with publications. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, because, um, you know, for be- many reasons, because of all the associations. Right, so. and the lobbyists, and the regulatory agencies, and, and every, every layer, it sort of comes down. So the trade publications here in town are plenty. There are so many. And like you said, because we're rich with uh, the associations, the lobbyists, the, the, all of the industries are really here uh, in some way or another and really want to get that really um, detailed information about their specific issue. Absolutely. And, and, and that brings me to my next question for you. Because at a time when, uh, when cannabis was not legal – at a time when it was uh, really kind of edgy to be talking about. You came up with a concept called the Cannabis Business Times. Mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit about that. Well, I will say up front that I was not the first in. I was not the, I was four years behind really the, the main person who brought, um, who, who tried to make cannabis news uh, well, didn't try. It was massively successful to make uh, cannabis news and information as a trade, as an industry, um, you know, to create a successful brand about around that. But I like to think I was second in. Um, and around 2014, um, it seemed after Colorado had legalized cannabis, it was obvious. It was very obvious that the West Coast was going to follow suit quickly. Mm-hmm. And I, and what I thought was, you know, I took the whole, that famous picks and shovels metaphor the, from, you know, that it wasn't the, uh, it wasn't the 49ers who went West to dig gold that made the money, uh, made the revenue. It was the folks giving, it was folks selling them the picks and shovels and the stuff to do it, like Levi Strauss, you know, mm-hmm. that's how they, that's how the brand started. Right. Um, and I, and I thought with, what I had learned and with my, my uh, experience, not expertise, and my experience in media uh, was that I could serve that market. I could serve it on the legislative side and, incre- and include state-level legislative news mm-hmm. as well as national-level legislative news. Uh, and I could build in, and I could probably build a pretty thriving audience. Um, we talk about timing, uh, and timing really is everything. But at the time, Lisa, um, you can't build an audience back then. You couldn't build an audience without a list to start. Right. right. And at the time, there were a, a lot of small associations, almost societies and clubs mm-hmm. that willful, willful gave me their lists. Interesting. Right. So I was able, yeah. So I was, you know, so I was able to start a newsletter. I was able to get traffic to the site. Social media really had hit the tipping point yet yeah uh, but the uptake was also 
very, very positive. Um, what I did, um, what I do think that I did well was I did want to incorporate the term cannabis as, as opposed to everything else. I felt it gave it a little bit more of a sheen of acceptability. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah. And, um, uh, and so, yeah, so it's 2014, I launched, uh, the summer of 2014, I launched Cannabis Business Times. Kind of, it was basically a bootstrap. Mm -hmm. And it was thrilling and it was scary and yeah. um, a little bit stressful. I bet. Uh, but I'm glad I did it. I really am. And you were on the business side and then you had a whole, you had an editorial partner in that project. Is that right? I did. I did. Yes. Her name is Noelle Skidinski and maybe one of the best uh, writers, reporters I've ever met. And so she's writing on the, on the, on the content side, but how is it, Tim? I mean, with your lists, obviously you now have at least some universe of people that are interested in your issue. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, but you had to be very careful, thoughtful about how you would go out to these, this audience, right? Because yep. you really can't, you can't solicit advertising dollars at that time, right? I mean, talk about that. Cause that's, that to me is also had to be very dicey and to your point, a little bit scary. <laughs> um, so you can probably guess what my biggest line item was uh, for the, for the launch P and L uh, when I did it and that was legal fees, right? <laughs> I um, bet. Yeah. So again, since I was second in and not first in, I knew that it was doable. Okay. Right? However, okay. However, my concern was um, I had to make money somehow, and I, and I was not a professional on the subscription model. So I couldn't do this, couldn't create a newsletter um, and then do it on a subscription model with, you know, $19 a month, you know, all you can eat kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, it's, I just wasn't, I, I didn't have the expertise, right? So um, I decided to bootstrap it at first and build ad revenue and, and then finance it through ad revenue. Mm -hmm. But my concern was, uh, my concern was, is that because federally and to this day, it still is cannabis is illegal. Yeah. I, you know, it's a maybe class three. I'm not sure. I don't recall was what happens if I'm delivering a message to someone in Colorado or Washington state that had legalized, what if, what would happen if I'm delivering a message to them from let's say it's a machinery company that that extracts thc from the uh from the plant and uh, they are promoting that specific message and they are going to a grow firm uh in colorado but where the company is based that makes this actual equipment is based in a state where it's illegal and mm -hmm. a state where and um you know because the internet is, you know, under the FCC's, do, uh, FCC's domain, how, what kind of risk am I at if I take an ad and that run it runs and, you know, that hits a server somewhere, you know, it hurts a WordPress server or whatever, mm -hmm. um, gets disseminated and then goes to, and I'm carrying what could be construed as an illegal message across state lines. Yeah. Right? So that's federal. Right. And, you know, so what, so it was scary. Um, 
it was scary because I didn't have an army of lawyers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, high, high, time, high times had already set the bar, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. They've been around since they've been around since the seventies. I was a consumer product, but I didn't know a lot about them. Uh, and I know that uh, the first company in who was phenomenally successful, uh, the marijuana business daily uh, property. Um, which, by the way, good gracious, talk to them because they're amazing. Um, you know, I know they they had, they had done it, but still, it was just scary, Lisa. It really was. Um, but exhilarating, you know, like scary, but also kind of worth it. Because uh, <laughs> because because yeah. why else would you, why else do you get into it, right? Because it's a challenge, right? You wanted to see if you well, could do it, or yes. yeah, it, I wanted to see how I could do it. I also did truly see the dollars. I thought this would be a good funded flip. I was not ex- I was not planning on holding it. Yeah. What I wanted to do was. I wanted to make the recipe. I wanted to bake the cake, but then I wanted to sell the cake. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and that worked out, that worked out well as, you know, which, you know, which was obviously fantastic, mm-hmm. but, you know, waking up and walking outside every morning, hoping that you don't see the FBI was, waiting there was, <laughs> a, little, was a little bit, uh, a little bit of a nail biter. But I love that story. I mean, and you shared it with me before, and that's part of the reason why I wanted to sort of pick your brain about that because it's a great oh, story, and it's a story about you know sort of taking a risk, but the risk paid off. Obviously, you you funded it, you flipped it. It's a you know it's it's a it's a feather in your cap, and it's part of who Tim Herms is because you you come up with these cool ideas and and you build them and you go, and certainly it's something that you. Uh, continue to to do for for other uh, industries and will continue to do for other industries, even though you are uh, in some ways uh, retired, which is right. not in your nature. But okay, we'll get we'll let you say you are for now. <laughs> Tell me though, okay, so all that aside, I mean, you've done a lot of events, you've done a lot of other cool things. Um, the industry itself since you started, like it has changed okay. dramatically and you are, yes. you're now, I mean, people seek you out, right? They, they, in, in fact, in April coming up, you're going to be talking at the niche media conference. Um, tell me a little bit, what are you seeing trend wise? What kinds of things are popping out to you that are catching your attention? Um, let, let me ask you to, to clarify that just a little bit. Are you talking about in the cannabis industry or the media? industry? Uh, more broadly in the media industry. Okay. Um, what am I seeing in the media industry? Um, I'm seeing a lot of opportunity. I am seeing um, eyebrows being raised a lot about the revenue model. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many. There's so many different ways to make money in media. However, in many cases, the margins aren't there to actually do it. Um, uh, you know. I found a very, I found a very high interest. The fact is that is that retargeted ads, you know, the ads that follow you across the internet after you click on a, after you click on a site and accept cookies, mm-hmm. is eighty percent of all revenue now. Uh, Interesting. But yeah, in me, uh, for uh, for web advertising, which is obviously that speaks to the success. Um, so, you know, that's what. That, that's one thing that I found is is really fascinating. However, the the other side of it, and I and I think this is kind of where you're going, is what is changing about media in general, at least on the business side, is metrics, mm-hmm. metrics, metrics, metrics. What is Google Analytics saying about money that I just spent on something to promote product X? Um, and what is an acceptable rate of return? 
you know, because, because the, it's everywhere. Everyone has their own, you know, has their own way of analyzing and converting. And there are so many platforms, Lisa, mm -hmm. right? So on the, on the media side, that's number one. So that's, and that's more along, uh, on the revenue side is finding the right recipe to make money with the content that you're putting out in the market, right? On the, uh, on the other side, you can't, you just can't turn a blind eye to social. Uh, in the trade industry side, which, which, which I kind of live, um, LinkedIn seems to be much more important than, um, than the, uh, you know, than the other so social apps like Twitter or Reddit. Mm -hmm. Um, and LinkedIn is evolving from a, like, let's connect to a news resource, you know, people yes. look at their LinkedIn feeds, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that that's fantastic. So now, so now LinkedIn is kind of a niche publisher themselves. Interesting. The only, the only interesting, the only difference is LinkedIn. There's nobody, there's no editor at LinkedIn writing copy. But what, what there are is, is there's literally millions of experts posting uh, content that is of interest or starting groups. Um, and creating really, really, really vibrant communities. Mm -hmm. But again, it's going back to that customer of one, right? You yeah, know, interesting. At some point, there is going to be people, there's going to be a group of people who do political podcasts, right? Mm -hmm. Journalist-based podcasts. And you're going to have your own group on LinkedIn. Yeah. Right. Right. And that group becomes a community, and that community, uh, that community will always be the first in the know because you have the best connection, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, so that's just a couple I could, I could go on, you know, that's a count. That's a really open. -ended no, question. but that's, I know, I know. Right. <laughs> right so. I mean, tell us everything, you know, Tim, uh, we'd be here all day, but the, uh, I, I love that because I love, I find that, uh, so, you know, it's just me and I'm just sharing the, the podcast episodes as they come just based on my own, uh, social behavior and, and the places that I congregate. And I think that my colleagues are. Uh, and LinkedIn consistently is a, is a great resource and a place where the podcast gets a ton of attention. Lots of folks are, are clicking on and, and sharing and, and, and using LinkedIn as a way to, to share and advance that content. So I love it. And I see that because I also too, like I look to see, you know, if someone's posted something and it's someone that I trust or that I work with or that I know, I typically will go see what it is they're reading because if it's a value to them, then it's most likely going to be a value to me. And that's, um, that's a really good point. Right. And I, I will be the first to say I'm being a total hypocrite because I really try to, I, I really try to limit my LinkedIn time because otherwise it'll consume. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> you have to keep it, have to keep it to a, a couple of, a uh, couple of clicks a day for sure. A couple of clicks a day. Absolutely. So, uh, Tim, what's next on the horizon for you? What's coming up next? Any new projects you're working on? Um, uh, and if they're secret, yeah, that's okay I mean, too. <laughs> no, I don't have any secrets. There's, there's no plan to launch anything more. You know, I'm, I, I, I don't want to say I'm late career, but, um, I'm really enjoying what I'm doing. Um, and that is, uh, you know, advising media companies on, uh, business media companies on how to make more revenue, even doing some freelance sales once in a while when it seems like a good fit and um, helping them, you know, helping them increase their business and uh, increase their margin just by implementing some uh, smart, you know, smart publishing tactics and mm -hmm. uh, 
um, getting them, you know, again, going to the back to that whole spokes of the wheel thing, helping them make sure that as that wheel spins around that you're attacking the weakest spoke in order to continue to look to deliver better product. Right. Um, and then, uh, uh, you know, other than, other than that, it's, uh, uh, enjoying life, spending life, spending time with my wife and kid, and, uh, our pet bunny. Uh, and what about the band? Can we talk about the band? Tell me a little bit about the band. Cause that's no. <laughs> all right. Well, no, we'll get to that. I, I, we'll, I, we'll get to that in the next I'm a, episode. I'm a, I'm, a music, I'm a music fan and a very average musician. <laughs> well, I ask everybody on the podcast, you know, what else, what else is keeping you busy? And I know music is a big part of your life. I know that you've got some other creative, you're always busy and you've always got something else going. And that's, I think part of why, uh, you've always been such a tremendous resource to me and I'm super oh, grateful thanks. for your time today. If you want to talk about my wristwatch addiction, I'm down with that, but that'll be a whole nother podcast. So. <laughs> Uh, so Tim, as we get to the end of our conversation, is there someone that you'd recommend for a future episode of the podcast? Uh, yes. If you want to continue with, um, growing, um, if you wanted to continue a conversation regarding niche-based media, uh, and specifically if you want to dig down into cannabis more as far as regulation, how it's affected that, um, uh, and kind of and understand the growth. You probably you definitely want to reach out to Noelle Skidinski at Cannabis Business Times. She's fabulous. Um, she was my partner on the journey, and um, uh, she has forgotten more of than than I will ever know. That's fantastic. Well, I'm yeah, I'm gonna. The, I think she's the editor in chief now. All right. Well, good. Well, I'll tell her that you nominated her for a future episode. Okay. And I am All super, right. super grateful for that. And I'm looking forward to talking to her in the future. Tim, right. it's so good to talk to you. Thanks so much again. You're welcome, Lisa. Thanks for having me. I'm flattered to be asked. And that's today's Friday Reporter Podcast, a podcast in partnership with PR Daily, a tremendous and helpful guide for all things public relations. Find us there on their website and join us again for another episode soon. Thanks so much. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweitz, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify and all the usual suspects.